Uh, go with me, please, in the New Testament this evening to 1 John. We have been in a series on Friday nights for some time now. Anybody keeping up with how many this is? This is 14? 14th session, we think, about uh, prosperity proven. Now, of course, you know, we don't talk about prosperity all the time. We spent months on the subject of faith. We spent months on the subject of healing. We spent months on the subject of love. And just, uh, you know, the Lord knows what kind of spiritual diet we ought to have so that we're not deficient or anemic in any area of our life. And uh, we mentioned to you that we believe we had direction for this phase of our development to minister on prayer on Sunday morning, so we've been going strong on that. And then on Friday nights, we've been talking about prosperity. Prosperity is the will of God. Amen. 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 But now, you know, somebody said, well, that's what I believe, and you believe what you want to believe, and, and everybody is entitled to their opinion and believe what they want to believe. Uh, no, that's not correct. You don't, as a Christian, you don't have a right to believe whatever you decide to believe. As a Christian, I don't have a right to believe whatever I decide to believe. We're supposed to believe the Bible. Right? Believe the Bible. And so uh, the Bible said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we've been going uh, scripture after scripture and point after point proving that prosperity is the will of God. And the Lord's been helping us. Amen? We're getting stronger in it all the time. Let's read our text here. I said 1st John, didn't I? But it's 3rd John. Right? Y'all help me out tonight. Watch me. 3rd John. 3rd John 2. He said, Beloved, I wish, or the margin says, pray or desire, above all things, that you may prosper. And, in other words, that you may be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, uh, as we've said so many times before, are we to take this as the Lord talking to us? Are we to take the Word of God, the Bible? Can we say it with confidence to say, the Word of God, the Bible, is God speaking to me? There is no more sure word than this. Sometimes people are looking for a special word. But uh, it doesn't get any more special than this. Right? If that is the case, we believe it is, then the Lord, what did he tell us in this verse? It was his will. Right? Above all things. That what? That we'd prosper. And it's his will for us above all things that what? We'd be in health. You know, some scholars have tried to relegate this as just John saying howdy to Gaius. Hi. Bless you, brother. Hope you're doing good. If that's all it is, it ought not be in here. Because the scriptures tell us, you know, even concerning Jesus, that if everything he said and did was recorded, that uh, the world wouldn't contain the books that should be written. So we have a very small percentage of everything he said and did handpicked by the Holy Ghost. For all men, for all time. How many believe the entire New Testament is that way? The entire Word of God is that way, right? 
Say it out loud again. This, this is God, is God speaking, to speaking to me. Did the Lord tell you and I that it was his will for us above all things to prosper yes. and be in health? Yes. Now some have thought this was, you know, he's telling us his will for three things and then and as your soul prospers. But that's the, he didn't say and for your soul to prosper. What did he say? Even as, he's talking basically about two things. And he tells you how they're going to happen. Right? Both of these things are going to happen relative to, in connection with, proportional with, your soul prospering. And there's sometimes people try to say, well, that means that, you know, inward prosperity is more important than uh, outward prosperity. Well, they're inseparable. I said, they're inseparable. And so many times people have just, they try to ignore the first part and emphasize the last part. No, he's telling you, how are you going to prosper? Even as your soul prospers. How are you going to be in health? Even as your soul prospers. And we talked about this, how that prosperity doesn't begin in your account, your checking account, your savings account. Uh, Prosperity doesn't begin in your pocketbook or your purse. Where does it begin? Inside you. You must quit thinking like a broke person. You must quit talking like a broke person, right? Your soul, your mind, your emotions, your thinking, your speaking, your believing changes. And when you prosper on the inside, you're going to begin to prosper on the outside. Right? And we've gone over this in some detail. And what we did is we went back. You know, we defined what prosperity is. And then we've gone back to the beginning. And we said, what kind of God do we serve? We found out he's El Shaddai. We couldn't find any brokenness. Couldn't find any poverty in El Shaddai. We said, he's Jehovah Jireh. We couldn't find any poverty in that either. Right? And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We went back and said, what kind of God did the patriarchs know? What kind of God did Abraham know? Because God referred to himself repeatedly as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. What kind of God did Abraham know? These men are alive today in heaven. They're not on the earth. But if we could get Abraham and Isaac and Jacob down here tonight at Faith Life in Branson. And we could give them a microphone and say, Father Abraham. There's a lot of Christians today believe that sometimes it's God's will for us to be poor and broke. That he works things out in our life through that. What do you think? Do you believe that? What kind of God did you know as you walked the earth? You think he'd agree with that? No. How about Isaac? How about Jacob? And we went on. We looked at Joseph. And we looked at David most recently. What kind of God did David know? Hmm? David knew a God who brought him from being a poor man, his own words, to being rich, rich, rich. Right? David knew a God who spared him and protected him time after time after time. David knew a God who even when he lost everything, and that's what we talked about. You know, we went over and saw how he had accumulated some things and then lost everything, including his own family, everything. And yet God restored it all to him and gave him more besides. David knew a God, the Bible said about four times, said he preserved him everywhere he went. Don't you like that? I like that. Won't you say that out loud over yourself? Everywhere I go, he preserves me. 
Isn't that good? Well, what kind of man did God know in David? He knew a man who loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. A man after God's own heart. Right? God knew a man in David that would stand up for God against the biggest enemy. Remember Goliath? He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't afraid. He had faith. He wasn't afraid and ashamed to praise God in front of anybody. Right? He danced before the Lord. Shout. Didn't care who saw him. How many know you got to be like that? Right? Can't be a closet Christian. Concerned somebody's going to see you? No. Somebody say, you one of them? You go, yeah. You ought to be too. <laughs> you go over that, that church, don't you? <laughs> the rich one. That rich, that rich church. You go, yeah, say it again. He identified with God. He identified with his word. He was a man who honored covenant. We won't go into all of it. But how many understand there's not just a Godward side. There's a manward side. Now I would like for us to go on tonight to something that, boy, this is really big. You know, we're going to pray before we start reading this. I want you to believe God with me tonight because this is so, so important. Everything we've been looking at actually builds towards this. But we're going to a second... Chronicles, I believe it is. I'm loaded for bear tonight, boy. I told you wrong. First Chronicles 22. First Chronicles 22. Y'all got to pray with me because, man, I got so much here. And we got to not try to do too much and not too little. Everybody say, just right. Just right. Not spend too much time on the wrong thing. And there's only one way you can get it right. Did you know that? How would that be? You got it by the Holy Ghost. Only one way. So let's believe God together. First Chronicles 22 is where we're going. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being together tonight as a church family, loving you, loving each other. Thank you that you've delivered us and made us free from sin, and the penalty of the curse for sin. Thank you that we live a life of victory and blessing and prosperity. You're so good to us. We give you all the praise. Open our eyes, Lord, to see good things from your word tonight. Quicken our spirit. Feed our faith. Remind us of what you've already shown us. Reveal to us things we've not yet seen. And bring us up to a higher place in your perfect will concerning all these things. Help us to see your glory and to be transformed unto it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we were studying about David and what kind of God he knew and the prosperity in his life and how it worked uh, session before last. And uh, this has to do with the end of King David's life. First Chronicles 22. Everybody there? In First Chronicles 22... King David is speaking, and among other things, in verse 5, 1 Chronicles 22, 5, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house, everybody say the house, the house 
that is to be builded for the Lord. Whose house is this? This is the Lord's house. The Lord's house. The house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnifical. Now that's another way of saying what? Really nice. Right? It's got to be tops. It's got to be the best of the best. It's got to be glorious. Right? He said, exceeding magnifical, magnificent and exceeding magnifical, of fame and glory throughout all countries. People are supposed to hear about it hundreds of miles away and thousands of miles away and go, boy, have you seen the Lord's house? And they said, no. Oh, you got to go see it. You got to go see it. Why? It's amazing. It's all gold and jewels. How much did it cost to build it? Ain't no telling. (laughs) Whose idea is this now? To spend this kind of money. Whose idea was it? Hmm? It was God's idea. Because if you back up, if you were here, you know we talked about it. David said that he had the pattern. He had the blueprint For the house. And he told us how he got it. He got it because the hand of the Lord came on him. Same thing that happened with Moses. When Moses got the plan for the tabernacle. I mean God took him up in the mount. And he gave him revelation. And the Bible said that you know if you look in Hebrews. It says that God gave to Moses. The very pattern and blueprint of things out of heaven. And it was very expensive to build. Extremely expensive. Well, now, if God would rather save all the money for something else, like some people say and imply, then he wouldn't have done that. You could have built it out of something else besides gold and saved a lot of money. Right? And you could have fed people with that money. Right? You could have financed, you know, ministries and outreaches with that money. Didn't God know that? Now, y'all with me, right? Because people get criticized. We've been criticized. You probably, we don't tell you everything that goes on, you know. But we've been criticized numerous times. People say, well, you know, what are y'all talking about all that money, you know, for this and that? And you spent, you know, one fellow wrote in and said, you know, what do you need a supercharged organ for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you, you know, why do you need this and why do you need that? You ought to give it to the poor. Well, they don't know what we've done and what we haven't done. But I'm going to stand that's judging, right? But... If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. People think, well, you, you don't have to have that. It don't have to be that nice. Yeah, it does. I said, yes, it does. Well, yeah, but you could use that money. You know, you, what they're saying is your priorities are not right. 
You're messed up. You're not being led. It's a lot of judging going on there. Right? You're squandering and wasting the Lord's money. You're being a poor steward of the resources. That could have been used to feed the poor. That could have been used to finance outreach. You know, that sounds exactly like somebody else I read about in the New Testament. Have you ever heard anybody else talk that way? Who was it? Judas Iscariot. Well, that's bad company to be in, isn't it? What did he say? This woman comes, takes probably at least $15,000 with a very precious substance and just dumps it on Jesus' feet. Not something he can wear for a year or years. Not something he can use. I mean, this is only good for a few hours. Smell real good. And then it's gone. What? $15,000 for a little smell good for a little while. And boy, Judas thought that. He said, oh, oh, what a waste. The other disciples joined in with him. What a waste. What a waste. This could have been sold and given to the poor. But the Bible says Judas said that not because he cared for the poor. He was lying. He was a hypocrite. Said He said it because he was a thief. And he, he took care of the bag. And so if the money would have went in there, he could have had access to it. And you watch out. These other people that's always judging other folks. Oh, that's too much. You could have given to the poor. You could have given to missions. They are hypocrites. They are not doing what they're saying others should do. Did you hear me? The Bible says it in more than one place. It says it in Romans 2. It says it over in James 4. If you judge... You are guilty of the same thing. And you watch it. People's always hollering about what somebody else ought to do. How many realize you got a full-time job keeping up with yourself? Amen. Seeing that you're a good steward. That you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's the definition of a busybody. You know, Thessalonians talks about that. What is a busybody? If you look it up, it literally means somebody who is busy all around with other folks' stuff. And what's happening while you're doing that? You're not taking care of your own. And if you are a judge, you are not a doer. What did Jesus say about that? According to some people, if Jesus is how they think he is, he'd have said, Woman! Woman, hadn't I taught y'all better than this? You don't waste money like this on preachers. I've taught, no, no. What did he say? He said, y'all leave her alone. Be quiet. You leave her alone. She has done a good thing. Well, now whose idea was it to spend all this money on the house of the Lord? God's idea. We must remember this. I said we must remember it. What kind of God do we have? So we're still answering this question. Is his will prosperity or is it sometimes poverty? What is his will? What kind of God is he? Well, you can tell a lot about somebody by where they live. Huh? Let's go look about how heaven is just a minute. Go to the book of Revelation. Just hold your place here. Let's remind ourselves about 
where God is, how he lives. Revelation 22, Revelation, no, I told you wrong again, 21. (laughs) Revelation 21, in verse 10. John said he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now who made this and is making this? We'll bring this to pass. Verse 11 says, having the glory of God. Everybody say glory. 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 Now you'll see this terminology. You'll see it either outright stated or implied. Numerous, I mean, in the Old Testament, the law. You'll see it in the prophets. You'll see it in the New Testament. The glory of the house of God. The glory of his house. It said, the glo- having the glory of God and her light was likened to a stone most precious Precious, precious is sometimes translated costly, expensive, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now he goes on, describes it. He said it had a wall great and high and 12 gates. He goes on to talk about uh, the names of the 12 apostles were engraved in them. He measures it in 15 and 16 and he tells how big it is. And in verse 11, he describes the construction of it. He said, the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was what? The primary building material in the whole city is what? Gold. That's kind of flashy, ain't it? Huh? Huh? I've seen some people get upset because they saw somebody had a gold ring on or a gold watch. Well, you see uh, Jesus represented in here in this very book with a great big gold band. And the Lord builds the whole city out of gold. Purer than any gold we've seen. It's so pure, it's like clear glass. Absolutely no impurities. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Wow. Now that's flashy. You see a little rock on somebody's finger sometime. But how about boulder size? Precious gems that you build foundations out of. Jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, emeralds. I guess emeralds the size of trucks. I don't know. Sardonyx, sardius, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysophrysus, jacinth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. I reckon God likes jewelry. Huh? I reckon he likes great big honking stones. He likes pearls. Well, after all, who made them in the earth? Whose are they? 
Help me, Lord. You know, it's sad how so much of the church world has been completely reprogrammed by the devil into thinking that all this stuff is bad. I've had ministers that I tried to give an expensive watch to and they wouldn't take it. I've had people I've tried to give, you know, valuable things to. No, why? No, no, I don't want that. Why? Why wouldn't you want it? Well, it's flashy. That's just too gaudy. For who? For God? I don't think so. Huh? Gold bands. I never had nothing that big. Gold. Giant pearls. Big enough you could make a gate out of one. That's a big pearl. Right? Couldn't he have got by with something else? He could have made them out of wood. Couldn't he? If God has an aversion to that kind of thing, then he'd have built heaven differently. Wouldn't he? He'd have at least made it out of wrought iron. If God is as so many, even theologians, try to portray him to be, heaven would be a much different place. It wouldn't be in my father's house or many mansions. It'd be many efficiencies. And they'd all be painted medium gray. Now you get to talking like this and some people that even, you know, don't believe, claim they don't believe in prosperity for, for people and, you know, God's children in the earth. They'll say, oh no, no, now, you know, in heaven it's going to be wonderful. So you're saying that God has two different wills. He has one will for heaven, but a completely different will for the earth. But that can't be. I said, that cannot be because Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6.10. He said, pray, thy will be done on the earth. How? Even as. What does that mean? Just like it is in heaven. Well, we see what God's will in heaven is. And his perfect will must not be being completely manifest in the earth or he wouldn't tell us to pray that it would be. Right? Mm-mm. How many believe as soon as you get to heaven, you're going to do a lot of this? Whoa. Wow. Oh, God. This is amazing. Oh. What are you going to see? In his creation, you're going to see The glory of God. Well, it takes this kind of thing to express his glory. Right? A little picket fence and a little wood gate is not him. I said, that's not him. This is him. Giant. 
pearl gate. That's my father. Gold everywhere. Right? Rubies the size of pickup trucks. That's my father. I had the, a yellow sports car several years ago. I mean, it was almost hurt your eyes yellow. And it stood, you couldn't miss it, man. I mean, it stood out, a little two-seater, you know, and convertible. And and uh, I was at a meeting in it one time, and this minister and I were going out, and, and we were walking, and he was talking to me, and I walked up to this car and, and started unlocking it. And he said, that's your car? I said, yeah. He said, oh, brother. He said, that's not you. <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. (laughs) Later on, he wrote back and apologized. But I mean, what what is the problem? Who made bright yellow? Who made bright red? The creation of the Lord. If God is the way some purport him to be, there would only be three kind of fish in the sea. And they'd all be light gray, medium gray, and dark gray. But they're not. They're amazing. They're brilliant. Right? I mean, they're spectacular. God is the way some claim that he is. There'd be only three kind of flowers. Guess what they'd be? Light gray. Medium gray and dark gray. But they're not. I said they're not. They're brilliant. They're so bright. They're so varied. We're still discovering new variants. Right? God is a rich God. Beauty, riches, splendor. It's all expression of Him. I said, it's all expression of Him. Can you say amen? amen? The Bible tells you, and I, in fact, I want you to hold your place. you got two places held now, don't you? <laughs> so when you get all your fingers in the Bible, boy, you say, you're getting in the Word. <laughs> Ephesians. <laughs> I could quote it to you, but I want you to rest your eyes on it. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. How many glad that you don't serve a dull God? You serve wonderful God. Glorious God. What's his will for us? Drabness? Bleakness? Dullness? Poverty? Or brilliance? Blessing. Blessing. Glory, riches, huh? Top quality stuff. Didn't he say, if you're willing and obedient, you'll what? You'll what? You'll eat the good. Another translation says the fat. That means the best, the top. Right? Ephesians 5 and verse 1. 
Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Some of your modern translations say what? Imitators. Act like him. Is that right? Act like him. Does he believe in being broke? Does he believe in subsistence? Does he believe in taking a vow of poverty? I know there are people that do it. I know they claim they're serving God in doing it, but there is no scripture for it. It's not okay. Misrepresents the Lord. Did you hear me? Now, it's an honorable thing to make sacrifices to serve the Lord. But this taking a vow of poverty stuff, Jesus didn't teach it. The disciples didn't teach it. It's like a lot of other stuff that men have made up. And it's works. And the problem is it misrepresents the Lord. He's a good God. I said he's a good God. And he wills above all things that you prosper and be healthy. How's it going to happen? And that's why we're having soul prospering meetings on Friday night. Right? So that our soul, our mind is renewed. We quit thinking broke. We quit thinking bleak and dull gray. Huh? And substandard. And we begin to think right. Now, uh, go back to the scripture we started out with, if you would please. First Chronicles. First Chronicles 22, are you there? Y'all still believe in God with me, right? What kind of place does God live in? Rich, 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 rich beyond anything we have ever. There is no palace anywhere on the earth that touches it. Right? What about the place he's preparing for you? Hmm? A little log cabin in the corner of glory land. (laughs) Absolutely not. Nope. Nope. I know uh, a fellow, you know, I've heard a, a number of stories that people tell about dying and going to heaven. Some of them, you know, you wonder about. They don't bear witness with you too much. You don't see it in the scripture. This one that I'm thinking of right now really bore witness with me. I could see scripture in it. This fellow fell off a balcony, hit his head on the sidewalk. When they got him, you know, when the ambulance came to get him, they said he's dead. They got him to the uh, emergency room and everything. And they, they kept working on him, but they said he's gone. Eventually they got him back. And when they did, he said he had been somewhere. He said he went to heaven and he saw the Lord and he was, you know, so thrilled with everything. And and the Lord took him to show him what he called his abode. Now, that is the word in the Greek in John 14, where it says in my father's house are many mansions. If you look up that word, it's the word for abode or abiding places. And he said he was just. 
What's the word? Almost overwhelmed. He said the Lord took him over this rise and he could see this whole valley and this whole mountain and hill behind it. And all of that was his place. He said, man, he had real estate. (laughs) A lake. And a mountain. And everything he saw was just exactly like he liked. And he said the Lord looked at him and knew what he's thinking. He smiled and said, I custom build all my children's abodes to their liking. He said, I know what all my children like. I looked it up later. And uh, that word for abode is akin to the word, the English word manor. That means landed estate. People have an idea of white houses in a row on a street, but uh, where'd you find that? I'll assure you this, it'll be exceeding abundantly, above all you've asked or thought. And it won't be dumpy, and it won't be cheap. I said it won't be cheap. Ain't nothing cheap in heaven. No cheap stuff. Anywhere. No cheap stuff. What's God's will on the earth? <laughs> now the reason why I laugh once in a while is because we're bumping up against so many centuries of tradition. I mean, you know, I just sense in my heart sometimes people begin to think about it, they begin to believe it, and then they come back to something else and go, yeah, but you know, that's not what... We've always believed. Because after all, you just never know. (laughs) But we've established that is not a scripture. Right? You just never know is not a verse. (laughs) And in order for something to be scriptural, you've got to have what for it? Scriptures. Verses. So we reject this you just never know doctrine. We don't receive it. The Bible said don't be unwise. Don't be foolish. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's why he gave us a Bible. That's why he gave us the wonderful teacher of the Holy Spirit. So that we're not ignorant of his will. But we find out what his will is. And we reach for it. And we pursue it. Amen. Amen. And even if we seem so far below what we're seeing in the Word, we don't water down the Word to match our pitiful experience. We say, Lord, bring me up. Bring me up till my life matches what you say. Can you say amen? You'll come across it all the time. That's one reason why you keep hearing me talk about read your Bible, read your Bible, read your chapter. Why? Because if you stay out of the Word, you get to thinking you know more than you do. You get to thinking you know more about the Bible than you actually do. You get to thinking that you got more of God's will manifested in your life than you actually do. But when you stay in the Word on a regular basis, you're all the time coming across things and you think, well, hold up now. I don't have that. 
Right? I'm not there. And when you do, you'll do one of two things. You'll either try to explain it away and try to water it down to match your present day experience. Or you'll humble yourself and admit you're not there and ask God to bring you up. Right? People do it with healing. They do it with being filled with the Spirit and talking in tongues. They do it with prosperity. They do it with being led by the Spirit. They do it area after area. I'm so glad one day. Years ago, I was thoroughly saved. But I'd never been filled with the Spirit and spoken in tongues and experienced what they talk about, you know, and what the people that I heard was talking about and from Acts 2-4. But I didn't say, well, now, that's all passed away and that's not for everybody. That's you watering down the Word. To match your lack of experience. I humbled myself. I said Lord I don't have that. I see it. Bring me up to that. And it took him months. To get me there. Because I thought wrong. I'd even talk like this. I'd say well. If you ever see me talk in tongues. It won't be me. (laughs) Well who will it be? Well, what I meant was, it won't be me, it'll be God, it'll be the Holy Ghost. Well, then we want the Holy Ghost to get filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, no, you're wrong. It's like I was, if you think that way. Because if we ever hear you speaking in tongues, it'll be you <laughs> speaking in tongues. Uh-huh. Amen. <laughs> and every area, healing, prosperity, Everything, stay in this book. And when you come across something in your life, you know, you say, well, boy, that was great for them. But what about me today? It wouldn't be in the Bible to just disappoint you. God wouldn't put a bunch of things in there. Miracles and amazing provision and healings and deliverances. And then say, you know, now that's just to uh, make you wish you had lived in another time. (laughs) It's all passed away. All that ceased when the last apostle died. Of course, nobody's found scripture for that yet either. That was just all in there to make you drool and go, whew, if I could have only lived a few centuries ago. No, we got a better covenant established on better promises. No, we've got victory. It all belongs to us. Like the Apostle Paul said, all of these things are yours. All. It's all yours. It's all yours. Are you back in First Chronicles? In talking about the glory of God's house, you see in the book of Revelation about how what God's preparing for us and Indications of what some things about what heaven is now and what it shall be, it's amazingly glorious. But then also, in Moses, when uh, the Lord gave him the blueprint for the tabernacle and he told him how to build it and he told him what materials to use, it was gold, 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 precious jewels, right? And this is a tent. It's a tent. Don't forget that. It's a temporary, portable thing. I won't take time to go back there, but in Exodus 
38th chapter or so. He tells how many talents of gold went into building it. Now, in order to get at an approximate dollar figure, you have to realize what a talent is. Some say a talent is 75 pounds. Some scholars say it's 125 pounds. A lot of scholars say it's 100 pounds. It has to be about that size because there are numerous passages that show it took two men to carry one. Let's take the median one. A hundred pounds of gold. That's a chunk. Well, then how much would that be worth? How much would one talent of gold be worth? Y'all got your calculator? A hundred pounds. They tell us it's not a 16 ounce pound. It's a 12 ounce pound, Troy. So let's say... A hundred pounds times twelve ounces. That'd be what? Y'all help me out. How many ounces? Twelve hundred ounces. Now I checked the price of gold recently and it's like three hundred and eighty five dollars an ounce. So multiply that times three eighty five. How much is a talent? $462,000 for one talent. I won't take the time to go back there, but they had more than one that they put in. This didn't count all the skins and all the wood. This was just the gold. Easily put that tent over a hundred million dollars. Everybody say, nice tent. Nice tent. <laughs> it's a nice tent. Whose idea was that? Who told them how to build it and what to use? Couldn't you got by with less than that? It's just temporary. You know, sometimes, you know, even churches starting and ministries starting, they use things temporarily and they're so concerned about, well, it's costing this money, but it's just temporary. Friend, if it's for the kingdom of God, you're not wasting a dime. Are you with me now? You're not wasting any money doing what the Lord told you to do. If you go back and add it up sometime, you'll see what I mean. It's about a hundred million dollars tent. Tent. Wasn't very big. Say it again. Nice tent. But that was just the forerunner, the precursor for the temple. This is the permanent structure. Are you there in your scripture? What is it? First Chronicles 22. Is that right? David said, this house has got to be exceeding, magnificent. I mean, it's got to be something else. So that fame and glory goes throughout all the countries. People hear about it all over the place and are impressed and amazed with it. So because of that, I will, verse 5, now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Now let's just stop right there. How did he prepare? Hmm? He's putting money together. Right? Do you know where it came from? Back up to the 18th chapter here. 
And we'll give you the answer. I could tell you, but I want you to see it in the Word. 18th chapter. And the 11th verse. This is 18.11. Then also King David dedicated to the Lord with the silver and the gold that he brought from all these what? Nations from Edom and Moab, from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines and from Amalek. Where did a bunch of this gold come from? The first bank of Philistine. And Edom savings and loan. It came, so much of it came from the conquered nations. It was the wealth of the sinner. David believed that the wealth of the sinner was laid up for the just. And it happened all through David's reign. His generals and his armies, they'd send back word and they said, Did you know, King David, that they have 2.3 billion in gold bullion over there in that heathen bank? He said, Is that right? <laughs> he said, Tell the boys to mount up. We're going to go make a withdrawal. I know it sounds funny, but they conquered nation after nation. And what's he doing with all this money? He's stockpiling it. Why? So the Lord told him, you're not the one to build a house. But your son's going to build it. He said, all right. But I can sure get ready for it. (laughs) And so he piled money and money and money for what? What's all this for? For the house of The Lord. Now look, go back to chapter 22. He prepared abundantly before he died, for he went home to be with the Lord. And verse 14, he gives a report. This is 1 Chronicles 22, 14. He says, Behold, in my trouble, I have prepared for what? Now let's just stop right here. Stop right here. David is called a man after God's own heart. What is David's hobby? Huh? What is his thing? What is his vision? What is his heart, his desire, his dream? Because he's a man after God's own heart. Loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not ashamed of God. Not embarrassed about God. What is his desire? He said, this house that God has told us to build, it's got to be exceeding, magnificent. It's got to be the most amazing thing that's ever been built in a temple. And so money can't be an object. So he just stockpiled money, stockpiled money, stockpiled money all his life, all his life. Did that please the Lord? Yeah. It's the perfect will of God. And towards the end of his life, he said, uh, I checked my accounts yesterday. And this is my God account. Anybody got one of them? My God account that I've been putting money into for the house of the Lord. He said, I noticed in there that I've got a hundred thousand talents of gold. 
How much is a talent worth? Let's just round it off. Let's be conservative. 400,000. 400,000 times what? A hundred thousand. How much is that? <laughs> it's a b- 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 <laughs> Bill- billion. Billion. I'll have to help y'all out a little bit on this. It's closer to 40, probably. Billion. I better say billion. billion. Say nice house. Nice. I mean, this is the beginning. This don't tell the whole story at all. This is just his gold that he set aside. And, you know, I shouldn't say it like that. Nationally, he's done this. He also had a thousand, thousand. How many is that? A million talents of silver. Now, silver is not worth as much as gold, but it's worth, what, five or six dollars an ounce? Times 12 ounces times a hundred pounds times a million. That's some more billions. Going over to the uh, 29th chapter. We won't try to figure it out to the penny. You couldn't. Because so many variables... People disagree about the size of a talent, and they disagree about the size of the pound and everything else. But I tell you, you wouldn't have to get too technical about it to realize we're talking major money. Whose idea was this? God's idea. But a man after God's own heart who got it in his heart to help put this thing together. In the 11th verse of the 28th chapter, first we'll read, 2811, First Chronicles, David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, the houses, the treasures, the chambers, the inner parlors, and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. This is not just something David dreamed up. He got it from the Lord. Right? Verse 19 says again, The Lord made me understand in writing by His hand on me. The Holy Ghost came on David and he started writing and he wrote all this out how it was supposed to be. Now in verse 2 of chapter 29. 29.2 He said, I prepared with all my might for the house of my God. I mean, He gave it His all. The gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, brass for the things of brass, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistering stones of different colors, all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. How many like that phrase right there? Don't you like that? Does this apply to us today? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I've given to the house of my God over and above what we've already read about earlier, that I prepared for the holy house 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir. That's out of his pocket. That's David's money. How much is that? 1.5 bubba. Billion. Right? And 7,000 talents of refined silver. That's somewhere around 65 million. 
The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? They're having a big meeting, you know. And when he said that, basically he said, who else wants to step up? He said, I brought my offering. 1.5 billion. See, we think we have some offerings sometimes. But now get this, guys, get this. Think about how blessed you have to be to write a billion-dollar check. How blessed you have to be to write a $40 million check. And it's actually in the bank. But say, how many understand you'll never get there doubting it's God or questioning if it's God's will for you to even prosper? You could never have faith to come up to a place like that. He said, who, basically, you know, who else wants to get in on this? And the Bible said, the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds and the rulers of the king's work, they offered willingly. They stepped right up and they gave for the service of the house of God. How many understand there would have been people who wouldn't have liked this offering? Huh? For one thing, they'd have said, ah, that's just bragging. You're not supposed to know. Let your left hand know what your right hand does. He stood up there and told he's given 1.5 billion. That's just bragging. Well, why is it in here? Why didn't the Lord rebuke them? Why didn't it say a prophet came up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord. You be quiet and sit down. I say that because I've run across this. I've had people tell me this kind of thing. No, the Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. Giving alms. That's giving to the poor. This is giving to the house of the Lord. Completely different thing. One reason you do that is because somebody that is in a tough situation financially, you don't want it broadcast, their, their needs. You don't want them embarrassed, right? That's when you do something and nobody even knows where it came from. and It's not broadcast. Oh, but friend, it's a great thing that the Lord has blessed you like this. And when it comes time to do for the house of the Lord, you can stand up and say, glory to God, glory to God. You ain't bragging on yourself. You say, look what the Lord's done for me. He's so good. We're going to be able to do this today. Now don't get scared. I'm not planning on a second offering. No. I mean, it would be all right if the Lord said it, but that's, that's not what I'm planning on at all. I'm talking about the glory of God's house. The glory of his house. They stepped up and they gave what? Verse 7, they gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents. How much is that? That's about 2.5 billion. That's on top of everything else. This offering just keeps getting bigger, doesn't it? And bigger. 
And then they brought 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of brass, 100,000 talents of iron. And then they brought precious stones and they gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord. And the people did what in verse 9? They did what? They rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Did this please the Lord? It's recorded for all time. This ministered to the Lord. This blessed him. He saw to it that all of us would read about it generation after generation after generation. Let me keep reading here. Verse 10. Then David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. I don't know how much the offering was that day. But what did we already have? We had 1.5 billion just in gold out of his pocket. Another 2.5 from the chiefs of the father. And then all that other we read about earlier. That was just with that. And we didn't record the other in the national treasury we're probably looking at least, at least, you know, five to ten billion. Just in that, that doesn't count all the other metals, don't count all the jewels and all the stuff they brought. This is a nice offering. Right? And then when it's all come in, David stands up and blesses the Lord. He said, blessed be You, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that's in the heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. Why don't people believe that? They stood up and they gave billions in this offering. And they said, Lord, it came from you. It all came from you. You're the one made us multi-billionaires so we could write checks like this today. Right? He said, you're the one that did it. Riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. And in your hand is power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, O God, we thank you and we praise you, your glorious name. Who am I? What's my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of you and of your own hand have we given you. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this store that we prepared to build you a house for your holy name comes of your hand and is all your own. Know also, my God, that you try the heart and you pleasure in uprightness. As for me in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy your people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. Verse 20, he said, now bless the Lord your God to the congregation. And all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers. And they bowed down their heads and they worshipped the Lord and the King. Now that's an offering. Please the Lord. And it was all for what? The house of the Lord. It was for the glory of his house. Are we building the house of the Lord today? Yeah. We are the house of the Lord. Right? 
every house, every physical building we have is just a tool to serve the real house of the Lord. Every time somebody gets saved, a living stone is sealed into place by the Holy Spirit. Right? The Lord's building his house. Does money affect it? Does earthly wealth affect it? Certainly does. If we didn't have this place tonight, you couldn't have come in here and heard this. If people are not financed to go out, if books are not printed, if Bibles are not printed, if missionaries don't go, if things don't go across the TV airwaves, it all takes money. Right? And somebody was trying to take me to task a while back about something. They said, well, why don't you just give all that away? They're talking about all the tapes and stuff. Why don't you just give all that away? Well, first of all, they didn't know how much we do give away. Judging again. Secondly, they don't know how close the margin is on some things. Thirdly, you want to ask them, well, why don't you just pay for it all? We will. (laughs) We keep getting bills. We keep getting bills from printers and and material suppliers. And we keep getting bills. They expect to be paid. You don't just say, it's the gospel, you know. Of course, it's all free, right? Gospel's free. Like one fellow said, it's all free, but it takes some money to get it piped to you. Notice what, how this wound up. Verse 26. David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. The time he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem. And he died in a good old Age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. Everybody say, that's how I'll go. If you believe it strong enough and you'll receive it, you can. How should you go? In a good, no, if the Lord comes beforehand, that's just even better. But if he tarries his coming, die How? Old, old, rich, so that your grandkids' grandkids say, thank you, Papa. Thank you, Momo. Huh? Because a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children because the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just, Proverbs said. How many think we can know more about this? Our faith can rise much, much, much higher than how we've thought. I've really just laid the groundwork tonight for this subject. I don't feel like I've gotten into it that much, but the Lord will help us. We'll go on beyond this. But how many can get stirred up about the glory of the Lord's house? The glory of the Lord's house. How many believe everything to do with the Lord's work should be absolutely impressive by every natural standard? Right? Now somebody says, well, what if we can't afford? Of course, that's a bad word, right? What if we, but people talk like that. What if we can't afford to get the best? It's not just about cost. It's about your heart. I said it's about your heart. When it's the best that you can do, then the Lord sees it as the best offering, as the best gift. And then what happens, you're sowing best seed, you're going to reap best harvest, your best is going to keep getting better. Your best gift is going to keep getting better, and better, and better. 
But I tell you, I want you to treat these words like cuss words. And we're here in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas. You know what cuss words are. Like, what do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, that's good enough for the church. Well, that's good enough for the ministry. That's good enough. But so many people have that idea, don't they? Well, you know, for the church. And actually bring junk that they've wore out at their house to the church to be used. Well, you know, we, uh, some folks said this one time. They had the back of their car full of some stuff. And they said, you know, we were on our way to the junkyard. And we thought about, well, maybe the preacher could use this. That mentality, well, that's good enough. How many understand what is good enough for the Lord's work? The very best we can do, the very best we can believe for, and then believe for that to get better. Right? The very best. Why? It should be exceeding magnificent. Somebody says, well, it takes a lot of money to do that. That's why we're talking. we got to believe. we got to come up. Right? Got to come up. So that we're able to represent the Lord. Right? In every area where people go, wow. You mean that's from the church? Yeah. Right? Why? Because it doesn't just represent Faith Life Church Congregation and Keith and Phyllis Moore. It represents the Lord Jesus Himself. It represents our Father God. Right? And maybe you like me, I wish all of us were multi-billionaires right now. Right? And so we could, re- we could really do some other things. But the Lord knows where we are. He knows where our faith is. And He'll accept our best as though it was the most expensive in the world. Did you hear me? If it's the best, we can do. And from our heart. I'm believing for this place to be paid off right away. So that we're not thinking about that anymore. Right? And we, among other things, we doll this place up. I said doll it up. I mean, it's nice. I'm thankful for it. But how many believe it could be a lot nicer? I mean, you, right? Fixtures and carpets and stuff. And I mean, just come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. Until people come in and go, walk in the bathroom and go, man, wonder how much that cost. (laughs) And you say, a lot. And they're not ashamed. Right? How much did that supercharged organ cost? <laughs> how much did that co- how much did that cost? You go, a lot? Right? Yes. I've had people say something to me before because we fly an airplane. They go, you know, when you, why do you have to have that? Well, to do some things we do, there's no other way. But I pull up in our little airplane. I mean it's it's older. It's one of the smallest around. I'm thrilled with it. Don't misunderstand me. But here comes a whiskey company in a brand new $40 million ride. Yet that's okay with everybody. You don't hear people fussing about that. Here comes somebody else in a $30 million ride, owner of a pornographic magazine. And you don't see them splattered all over the newspaper, you know, because of that. You see what I'm saying? So twisted. I said it's so twisted. All of the technology. 
all of the precious metals, all of the materials, all of the jewels in this planet are not the devil's creation. They are not for him. They are not for sinners. God made it. It's his stuff. And it's for him. And it's for his people. And it's for his things. All the technology. All the satellites. All the TV and video. All the machines. All of the best of the best. Man's not smart enough to figure that stuff out on his own. God gave that revelation. For the devil's crowd? Uh Uh-uh. But the devil has got so many people convinced. Well, you know, you just kind of hold on and try to stay saved. And maybe you'll make it in some way. How you can't expect much down here. Just never know. But I don't believe that. I believe the best of the best is for God's house. God's people. I believe the most expensive, the most extravagant, the most beautiful, the most glorious is really the only thing. That will sufficiently represent him. Amen. Amen. The very best we can see and do and believe for. Will you believe with me on that? Church family, I'm talking about, will you believe with me? You know, don't you misunderstand me. I am so thankful we're not meeting on the side of the road. We are so blessed. I know that. But we got a God who is able to do much more than this. Right? We serve a God who can take us up. To where you and I can be so strong. Personally in our finances. Out of your pocket. Give a billion dollars. So strong personally. So strong as a church. That thing after thing that comes up in the body. We can underwrite it. All our stuff's paid for. Glory to God. We can do thing after thing after thing. Bigger things. Right? How many believe God could bless us? We just pay off people's church buildings for them. Right? We finance missionary endeavors. You got to be blessed though. You got, you got to have more than a hundred or two dollars. Got to have more than five thousand in the bank. You can't just be taking all the faith you've got to believe to pay your electric bill and your house payment. We got to get beyond that. Everything on the list, done. Every debt paid off. Everything done. Right? And that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Then we come on up, come on up, come on up. So here we are, Lord. Use us. We believe you're a big God. You're a rich God. Help us to represent you properly in the earth so that you are glorified. People see and hear about things and they go, oh, oh, God must be big. He must be amazing. And we say, yeah, he's a good God. He's a good God. He'll heal you as well as save you. He'll bless you financially as well as cleanse you of your sins. Take care of you in every area, spirit, soul, and body. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Stand up on your feet and lift your hands. Begin to praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.